This is the Bushwick Variety Show, and I'm Alex Stevens III. Greetings, neighbors, friends, citizens of the world, and conscious beings of all various types. Thank you so much for listening to the Bushwick Variety Show. This is episode number 25. This episode features Carrie Lowe. Carrie Lowe, among other things, is a phenomenal singer-songwriter, storyteller. I know her from the Bushwick Potion Collective days originally. Um, I also did something that she organized called the Election Monologues right after the 2016 election. Um, She's always innovating and finding new ways of creating new avenues to tell stories. She's also a healer. Um, She's also just a lovely person, and I'm always happy to see what she's up to. So without further ado, this is Carrie Lowe. Let's have a conversation. So now let's talk. Okay. How are you? I'm good. What's what's new? What's new? Um, I feel like I've had a ton of insights lately. I mean, I think that's always the life of a creative and business and art you're figuring things out and um last week I just had a had a realization about like how I can bring some of the things that I've been studying over the past few years into one experience for people um so like storytelling like honest truth telling about your life and like shameful things or traumatic things things that need to be expressed that haven't been able to Um, And then sort of marrying that with the embodiment piece of getting on stage or or at least in front of people and really being in your body and feeling (laughs) what needs to be felt to to move that through. Um, And then kind of pairing that with a healing modality I've been studying the past year or so called universal health principles, um, which helps like the body gently process old emotions and events and sort of rewrite the communication that's going on in the body. So I've been like sort of struggling with, you know, these are all the things I'm interested in. How do I put it together? Um, And I feel like I'm honing in closer around that of like just realizing that I like the shadow stuff. Like I like that kind of dark work. Like I'm not going to be someone that's like, here I'll make your life better you know like like in my art I'm (laughs) I'm I've got dark stuff in the music that wants to come out and then and then I've got like I do want to do healing work with people but it is in this like let's go into the depths together kind of place um and then use art to transform that and to like change into the storyteller so that's kind of like been swirling Mm -hmm. yeah so um it's funny, like talking to you and coming from that that place to start. Um, I met you first where I met a lot of the people who are probably going to be some of the initial people um, on this show um, in the Potion Collective and in the Bushwick Arts community. Mm-hmm. And one thing that I'm finding about that, um, which I knew before, but realizing when you really sit and like have conversations with people and think about individual people from that time most of us, like you were one of them who I met as a singer songwriter. Mm -hmm. Um, But what I'm finding, and I knew back then, what I'm finding to be true with a lot of people is I knew that a lot of the artists were multifaceted back then. Um, I didn't realize to the extent that so many of us were and are. Um, So for you, like I know a little bit for people who don't know you, um, singer songwriter, um, excellent singer, excellent um, player, excellent songwriter, if I do say so myself, <laughs> and I do. Um, and then you also have acting background, theater background, storytelling background. Um, and then I also think of you as just um, an innovative artist seeking um, the best way What's to next? express herself. Yeah. <laughs> totally. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and I think, you know, when we met, Back then, I guess it was, I moved into McKibben Lofts, um, 2011, and I was mainly a singer-songwriter. I was finishing up acting school, but I had sort of 
gone away from acting because I found such a connection to to writing my own material um and so I really was focused back then on that and then um I had a health crisis and I couldn't sing without pain for a couple years and it sort of forced me down these other paths of like poetry and then figuring out like okay how do I heal myself um and then that's become quite an obsession over the last you know five years of facilitating my own healing to the point now where I can totally sing again um and I'm not scared of that but it really took like five years um and and then seeing okay these were the things that worked for me in my healing process and how can I help other people because it's just such a it feels like a mysterious art. There's lots of symbolism and healing um, from a, you know, non-pharmaceutical perspective. Um, when you're going at it, when you're going about healing from like a soul level, it's it's very artistic. You know, it's interesting because um, there's a lot of mystery, like uh, with mental health in particular, when you mentioned that and like kind of the mysteriousness of like soul healing, but with mental health, um, I don't mean to say this, like you shouldn't seek mental health and mental, you know, things, things can help. And there are medicines that can help. Sure. The thing is though, that what works for some person, like talking specifically, you know, prescription medications, it's kind of a guessing game. Um, what's going on, how, how you diagnose mental health, um, and then what you prescribe people, it's kind of a guessing game. Um, where a lot of times it's like, well, this works for a lot of people, so try this. And it could help. And if it does help, then yes, I encourage that. Um, but also it can be really challenging because sometimes it could have the opposite and be harder even. Um, and then you can go through several different things and maybe nothing like works quite right, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah. But I do think like, you know, again, I'm not saying I'm against mental health and like that road, but totally. And I don't have experience with that myself in terms of being prescribed medication. So I can't speak to that. Um, I definitely have been depressed and anxious. Um, what I found and what I've studied is that really it's all about consciousness and what we've sort of, what our brains have picked up and what we've believed about the environment and and about what is stressful and how we interpret things basically our just brains are just interpreting stimuli from our environment and then based on that interpretation messages get sent via hormones the hypothalamus might talk to the pituitary gland that to send out this hormone to activate cortisol in your adrenal glands that is what happens when something stressful comes up but it's about perception, right? So like something that's stressful to one person and causes cortisol to be released, it causes that chain of reaction from the brain to the hormones into the body, into something, you know, physical, like my heart's beating or, um, yeah, I'm, I'm, let's talk about anxiety, I guess, rather than depression, since we're kind of going in that way, that it, so much of it is about the interpretation. And so that's why going back and doing various modalities to help heal your interpretation of the world like we can have belief systems like I have to be strong or there's no one here to support me and these things come back to you know your parents and their parents and their parents it's generational it's nobody's fault but it's something that um I've just been reading this book called when the body says no and um it talks a lot about the science behind that and the studies of you know people with chronic illness and um how their histories are so similar in terms of what they did or didn't receive from their parents, how securely they were attached and all of these things. And, and, um, yeah, I mean, it's, it's a, it's an endless world and it's totally fascinating, but just I've, what I've been playing with, um, is changing my consciousness to change my physical reality. So if I can have a different sort of feeling about the world, like if I can sort of process some old emotions around the belief of like, Life has to be hard, you know, which a lot of us pick up. Like, it's hard to make money. It's hard to whatever. If I can, like, go back and recognize, oh, that's like a, that's something that's playing in my unconscious that, like, causes me to have certain interpretations about certain events. Mm. 
And if I can sort of recognize that and give myself time to process it and introduce a new idea about how the world works, then I can shift my reality because I'm literally shifting what hormones go off yeah. in my body. Yeah. yeah. Like I, I hear, um, I think like, so like the secret and the law of attraction a few years ago were like a big mm -hmm. fad kind of, um, and then a lot of people, there's been a huge backlash and then a lot of people push back on it. Like, no, it's not just that. And I get like, it's kind of like religion or any spiritual, like if you take it in the extreme, like, and don't look at it and interact with it with your own intellect and reason. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah, like in, in an extreme in some of those, there are things that are kind of not entirely true. Um, what is true, though, with it, like with like the pushback is, yeah, if you have a negative mindset and yeah, like you said, it could be patterns and stuff like that. Stress, which does kind of, you know, I do think like probably some people struggle more like we all have different. Yeah. Um, chemical compositions in our brains and bodies and whatever. Um, so some people maybe are more wired kind of to be a little bit more depressed. Like, I think I'm like a little bit, um, just a little bit, there, like mm -hmm. a little bit of the darkness there. Um, but, uh, yeah, if, if you, for whatever, like however it plays out, like if you have too much stress, like you will not be healthy. Like it is not good for your health. It's one of the biggest yeah. things, you know? Yeah. And I mean, it's how I like to look at it is that everybody's on their own journey. Right. And because belief, like we know this from the placebo effect, it, because belief makes such a difference. If we think a medication is going to work, it's a lot more likely to work. And right. people used to throw that out and say, that that's like irrelevant or something, but it's actually the most relevant thing. It's like our beliefs change so much. So, um, that's also why it's individual because if you can't get down with a certain healing modality, like if you don't believe in it, you're not going to let yourself surrender right. and be healed by it. So it's like you, everyone has to find all, there are so many things out there that can help people. And, um, and everybody has to go on their journey and find what the next right step is for them. And that might be medication, but then it might, but I would just, I would just say from my perspective, it's like, but don't let that be your last step. You know, if that is, if medication is your step, I don't know, that doesn't necessarily have to be the last step. There may right. be, for, there may be things that you can uncover and, 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 um, and yeah. probably, I mean, like, cause usually like with medication, like talking to somebody usually is always helpful in some way or if they're yeah if they're like a safe yeah person yeah I mean it's funny I, I think that um I don't know it's just funny that we're talking about this so this is really where my mind has been at and um and it's been interesting to me of like okay I'm an artist. I'm also obsessed with like reading medical histories and people that are, you know, studying this kind of thing of like, how do we create better outcomes? Um, how do we approach healthcare in a more integrated way? How do we, how do we take control back from our lives? Cause I think that's one of the things that I really learned when I had, when I lost my voice and I couldn't sing without pain. It was because, um, it was for a few reasons. One, it was, I was bulimic for a long time. So there was that physical acid reflux part of it. And that was definitely like a huge factor. And they, they, doctors gave me acid reflux medication. Um, I was able to stop being bulimic immediately, which is fascinating because you're like, oh, you know, these sorts of diseases, these mental illnesses, we think that they can't change on a dime. But if you hit something important enough it can mm -hmm. because it was like when singing was so important to me that it was like when I when I, the first like medical diagnosis I got that was like you are ruining your voice by doing this the physical aspect didn't stop immediately I, I definitely dealt with like binging after that but in terms of I never made myself throw up again you know like it would happen sometimes just because I had built that into my system but it was not some like but you can change in a moment if you touch that thing that is so important to you that makes it 
there's nothing to do but change because you have to. Um, so I think that I, I can't remember where I was going with that, but, um, <laughs> but just the, the journey, right. So the journey of it was there, there was this very physical reality to what I was dealing with, with my voice. And then there was also another layer of healing, which was that I was sexually assaulted and I didn't tell anybody about it. And my voice actually didn't heal in terms of like, maybe the reflux was gone after a year of, you know, not, um, being involved with any of those behaviors, but then my voice still hurt. And I was like, what's going on? I still can't sing without pain. And, um, one, I had developed like just tension and fear Mm -hmm. in my chords because I was scared to sing. So like that doesn't help anything. But also the, the, one of the big breakthroughs I had around this was I did finally see a therapist because I was going to go on tour and my throat was still hurting so bad when I sang. I was like, why did I set up this tour? I've just like ruined, I'm going to be miserable. But something in me did it. And then I started having panic attacks as the (laughs) tour was coming up and, um, it put me into therapy for the first time. And the, the day, so I, um, the beginning of this tour was in Brooklyn and I played the Brooklyn Folk Festival and my throat hurt so bad after that. And I guess this was 2014. Um, and I was like, just kicking myself. Like, what have you done? You've got seven or eight more shows. This is going to be awful. But the tour really wasn't starting until the following Friday. So I had a therapy session on Tuesday and, um, I had been going for a few weeks, but this was the first time that I told her the full story of the sexual assault and just everything that I was, um, just really laid it, laid it bare, um, to someone for the first time. And she sort of said, well, I don't know. She was just very reassuring. And she just said, of course it affected you like that. Like you thought you were safe and then you weren't. And that's actually, you know, can be an even bigger deal than if you already think that you're going to be in danger because you're prepared, but you were totally unprepared and this thing happened. And so it affected you. And I will tell you that that Friday night, I went down to North Carolina to start the tour and I sang without pain for the first time in two years. And my healing wasn't over. But when that happened, I was like, oh, this obviously, this isn't just physical. This is emotional. This is my brain interpreting the world is affecting my physical reality. And when I could change that and change the feedback loop in my head, which is that this is all my fault and I'm overreacting and like all of the things, then it was like, okay, a healthy expression could start coming through. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then the, and then it continued. And then I had to learn, and then I had to learn more. I had to learn, okay, now how do I, how do I relax? Because my body's been in this like, I'm not safe tense um, expression for a while. And I had to, and that's when I found like universal health principles and other movement stuff, started doing a lot of yoga um, to get my body into a space where I could learn how to relax for the first time. Cause I didn't even realize how much I was tensing mm-hmm. all the time. Um, which is also a big component of, of just inflammation, disease, like chronic chronic tension chronic yeah. pain yeah um so let's go back a little bit yeah um so where did you grow up and then um you went to school for acting so mm-hmm. where did that how did that kind of come up yeah um I grew up in North Carolina and I went to North Carolina School of the Arts for theater is which is sort of like a you had to audition and it was this kind of thing um in my senior year. And, uh, I really wanted to go there for college, um, but ended up getting into NYU and, um, somewhere in Boston, but I chose NYU. I got a pretty good scholarship. Um, and yeah, came up here for acting school. But what was funny is that over the summer I was working at North Carolina school of the arts at their like five week program. And I was running the open mic at, um, the coffee house. And I, wanted to present some things. I did some poetry. I did some songs, but I didn't know how to play an instrument at the time. Um, so I'd have to get someone to accompany me. And that was frustrating for me. So, uh, at the end of the summer, I had enough money. I bought like a hundred dollar Jasmine 
acoustic guitar um, and a case. And I came up here on a train with my guitar um, to acting school. Nice. And then um, which which school were you in? I was in Meisner. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And then did you finish that program? I did. So the way NYU works is that you're, you have two years in your first studio and you can do advanced studios. And I just did by my, the second year, I knew that I didn't want to be an actor anymore because I had started writing songs and I was playing like in the subways and Washington Square Park. Were you taking lessons for guitar or how did you learn um, how to play the guitar? I took some lessons my first semester from someone who was not super helpful, but I kind of like was teaching myself some songs. I remember, um, this artist Gregory and the Hawk had some just like finger picked real pretty songs that I taught myself. And that kind of gave me a framework of how I could play in a way that made sense to me. Um, and then I really taught, taught myself until I studied for a bit with, um, a bluegrass player named Michael Daves, who's incredible. Um, he's a New York staple, uh, and he plays like every Tuesday night at Rockwood at 10. Um, and he, and I was actually, I mean, I was really into country and bluegrass music then as well when I was like 20. Um, and he taught me some things, but it, it, I didn't start loving lessons with him until I was like, okay, I'm going to bring in my arrangement of one of my songs. And can you just give me some feedback on how I could make the guitar part more interesting? Mm-hmm. Because that's all I really cared about. You know, like me tr- learning the triads and starting to improvise it wasn't ever something that I was really interested in I was always more about the the song and the expression of it so um that's kind of I I tend to keep things pretty simple yeah yeah cool um and so then so then you were shifting over more to songwriting and playing yeah um so then then what happened (laughs) yeah well so I yeah so I decided I had enough credits to graduate NYU early. So what I did was um, intern. I kind of found this loophole because you could either do an advanced studio or you could do an internship. And um, I found Jalopy Theater and School of Music. Right. And they're really not like they don't really do any acting there, maybe occasionally. But they're really just a music school and a folk you know, music house. And, but I think because theater was in the name of it, I got away with it, that being in part of my acting degree. Um, so I interned there and that's where I started, you know, playing Roots and Ruckus. I helped them start a record label. Um, it's actually very, very relevant to what I do now. Cause I help people with, um, you know, my sort of day job is helping people with content and mailing lists and, you know, sales funnels and stuff and I feel like I really started doing a lot of that stuff at Jalopy Theater because they were so old school you know they weren't really like using technology very much so I could come in and be like you know 19 or 20 and um get them onto a mail server and start their Facebook pages and a blog or you know whatever um and yeah I found found it definitely found like a little bit of a home there for a while while I graduated and then was planning to do music. Mm-hmm. And then you've kind of stayed because you did that thing right after um, this past election. You did that monologue series. That was at Jalopy, right? Yeah, yeah. It's still, I, I still feel like it's um, been my little home, home, base, kind of. home base. Yeah, but it's interesting because it's going to change. I did my one woman show there a few years ago. Um, and, but now I'm, I'm starting to play electric and I'm, and they, they do that occasionally, but it, it feels like, oh, it, maybe it's time to find another place. Mm-hmm. Um, cause I also hosted the open mic there for a year and, uh, I mean, they really took me in. The owners there are amazing. They're like my New York parents. Yeah. Yeah. Nice. So, so then that brings us kind of to now, I mean, um, yeah, I mean, I guess I'll just sort of go through it because I graduated um, college in 2011 and then um, I, Bill Bartholomew and I had a project for a little bit um, and then that sort of fell apart and it became clear that we both like needed to do our own thing. And um, so I decided to move back to North Carolina to pursue music and to just have a cheaper place to live and to record my first album and stuff. And then um, I 
I did that. I recorded my record in North Carolina in like 2012. And then I lost my voice. The sexual assault happened while I was on tour later that year. And then I lost my voice and I couldn't sing without pain. So I moved back to New York and I like got a job at a coffee shop in Bushwick uh, Boulevard where I actually met my husband. So that's kind of cool. Um, and yeah. And then for the last several years have had, um, I guess the main thing was my one woman show. Then I was doing poetry for a while. Um, and now I'm working on another show that is stories and poems and songs, um, about aging and grief and death. Yeah. Yeah, that's kind of where we are. <laughs> nice. Um, so it's funny because it kind of comes around like um, not wanting to be an actor, but you are a storyteller. And I do, I mean, it, my observation is I think that element is there. Yeah, absolutely. Um, oh, the thing I didn't mention is that I've also been like the narrator of a podcast of um called artist ceo following this woman shannon's life um who's both a performing artist and a ceo of a brand agency um and i feel like that's kind of this artist ceo land is kind of where i live because i've been obsessed with business for a long time i love being a freelancer and you know um making that happen and then i but then i also want the art so that has been another outlet for my storytelling um because i think the difference for me is that I'm, yeah, I'm not that interested in telling other people's stories right. in terms of like they've written a play for actors. But if it's something that I'm creating where I'm narrating, but I also get to tell part of my story or I'm, you know, I'm getting to choose, you know, it's being a writer too. It's like I'm getting to choose what you hear and what you don't hear um, and going through material. So I, I really find that I'm, And I think this is why this connects to entrepreneurship because I'm just like a creator of just like I, ha I want to have an idea and then make it real, you know, and often my tools are storytelling either on stage or on the mic. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, so the name of that podcast was Artist CEO? Artist CEO. Yeah. And we are... Um, it's out right now. I have to figure out what we're going to do with the old one because I'm reworking it right now because we got a distribution deal with a website called Milo. And we're going to re-release season two, or sorry, re it's like a re-release of season one, except we're changing it quite a bit because um, to catch up to where we are, because now, you know, we it started off being the story just about this woman, Shannon, who was my, you know, who had hired me to help her with her social media and stuff like that. And then what we found was that, you know, I'm an artist CEO too, and that, um, so we're reworking it so that it's not just Shannon's story, but it's Shannon's story, you know, a few episodes of Shannon's arc of figuring out of like, how do I integrate my artist self and my business self? Or how do I honor both of these parts of me while my, while I need to grow my business because I have a team and whatever. And so we're going to follow her story and then we're going to do part of my story, um, which I'm, uh, is a nice little kick in the pants because it means that I need to start, uh, getting the band together that I know is going to come together this summer around this show that I'm working on and really and really make it happen so that I can um, live into that story, which I think is what I like about storytelling so much, um, personal storytelling so much, because it forces you to grow and to change. Because when you view your life as a, well, one, just a, an artistic project will do that. But then also when you have this... Um, when you create something for yourself that forces you to be bigger, yeah, it's it, it's the best thing, right? Mm -hmm. Um. So when you're planning on doing this show, roughly end of the summer. Um. I'm I'm thinking December first. Okay. Because I need to get. I just need to get on stage again. It's been a while. Like it's been an embarrassing amount of time um, since I've been on the stage regularly and particularly since I've played music regularly. It's been like three and a half years um, since I did my last one woman show, which had a bunch of my music in it. Um, so I'm like, I thought it was going to be August. And then I was like, you're just not ready. You know, like you need to, you need to 
work with the band you want to work with. You need to start getting on stage again, and then you can really um, stand in the way you want to. Yeah. Um, do you have it? Is there a working title or? Yeah, it's called Keep Both My Eyes. Cool. Um, and it started off just as a collection of poetry because I was frustrated last fall and I was like, I haven't put out something like sort of definitive in a while. And, um, and it was funny cause it was like, my husband was like, well, why don't you, have been writing poems, just like put some of your poems together, make a little book. It'll be kind of like low hanging fruit. It'll make you feel better. <laughs> and, and so that's what I did. And I started going through, you know, all the things I had written, um, and finding themes and, and I found, okay, there, so there's this theme around, around death and around aging. And, um, and so I put that together. We recorded it last fall of just the sort of audio book kind of version, which is kind of how I pictured it. But then a few months ago, I, uh, I just had this like hit to buy an electric guitar and I did it and <laughs> like went to main drag, found one, that's it okay like you know I mean it was great because he also like I was at this um podcasting conference on air fest or like creativity storytelling podcasting conference and that's dangerous for me because if I go if I go somewhere like if I go to a show or if I go to a conference where like I feel like I should be (laughs) you know um not just attending but like like being part of it like why am I not doing that that level of work right or why haven't I been rehearsing enough or whatever I get like very um just so restless agitated and restless and like being like why am I here I need I need to go be working on my art (laughs) and so that happened that totally happened to me at this conference where I was like oh my gosh I can't think about like I've been really stuck in business um and I just need to go buy the guitar so I did and um I one night I, you know, I got my setup going so I could hear myself in headphones and hear it on my computer and just record some stuff. Uh, just go like play old songs. And then I thought I was having a really good time. And I thought, why don't I just open up, um, keep both my eyes, this poetry book and just start reading it. And, um, and it was like, it just used to happen with songs where I would get a first line and a melody and could find the chords pretty easily and in that one like work session I wrote like three or four songs from the poems so it it, then it was just like oh this is bigger than I thought it was this maybe this is a show uh and it's been a whole new way to write for me because I have never um I've never taken something that existed in my mind as just a poem and then turned it into a song so it was really cool to see that happen yeah yeah nice um so it's been coming up a lot um both on this podcast and you've mentioned it several times and i think you could speak to it um do you have any uh lessons or insights i'm I'm sure you have a bunch but off the top of your head right now um about how to find the balance between business and art Mm -hmm. because both of them I think are super important right now in particular because I think the artist now um, has more power like or potential power to be self-empowered and take control of like the business side of things. Um, However, you can go down a road where you forget about the art. So, yeah. And, and I think I, I come at it from maybe my, one of my mentors perspectives. And I think that's been, one of the biggest things is I've found a couple mentors um, that I work with and that I, you know, believe in their businesses. And there's this woman, Tanya Rubenstein, who helped me with my one woman show. And that's what she does, or she does many things now, but for a long time, she just helped people do their one person shows. And, uh, you know, her perspective on it is that you kind of have this like triad of what needs to happen to make a good living as an artist. And, what she's found and I think is my path as well. And it's not every artist's path. Like some artists just want to make money off the art exclusively, but I do love this healing work. I do love this sort of transformational coaching work, group facilitation. So her perspective is that in your triangle, you've got your 
you know, your artistic self, that sort of mastery, those projects that you're doing. Um, and those are, they're for you and they're for the world and your like soul. And they're also part of your marketing. Um, but they're not marketing them in and of themselves necessarily. They're marketing your services. And that might be helping someone else do what you do if you're a producer, you know, like bringing them to an album. It might be coaching someone through a book, et cetera, you know, helping someone with their one-person one, one show. And that's kind of how you make money. And then you have the third triangle is just the business systems that you have to kind of this is what happens when a client contacts me. This is what happens when, you know, and, and that's really essential if you're ever going to hand stuff off like to an assistant that does your scheduling or does your payment processing or whatever. Um, and I think that that's because I have this, um, like it's been fascinating to me. I, I have a women's creativity group I run online and the way I do it, the facilitation is, sort of as it's as juicy when I'm really on fire like it's as juicy to me as being on stages they're totally different and to be in integrity I need to do both of them which is why I'm like okay girlfriend it's time to get back on stage because you've been facilitating other people I helped someone else do their one woman show last fall I did the election monologues with you and that's awesome but also if you neglect you know your artist self for too long that's out of integrity for your business anyway so um, I think, so that's just the base of where I'm coming from with it. And I think that it is just a, in terms of time, I'm spending, just because of the necessity of New York and how much money I need to make. I'm, you know, I'm in this training program, this two-year training program for this healing modality that's like a really big investment that I'm covering myself it's like the reality of my life right now is that I need to spend most of my time making money and on the business side. But I have to always be checking in with myself of like, what does my artist need? And in particular, I think the best thing for an artist is when the project is clear enough to have a date on the calendar mm -hmm. where you're going to get on stage or you're going to whatever. It's like a date on the calendar and hopefully you're putting down money in some other way too because that's what causes people to get your button to action of like I've hired a director or I've hired a producer and we're going to meet on this date and we're going to make this album or I'm going to get on stage at this time because if you're if you have that deadline then everything falls into place like your priorities just kind of flow because that's how we are I mean I think maybe not everyone that's definitely how I am where it's like well if I'm gonna if I'm gonna get up on there it's gonna be good <laughs> you know yeah um so having having like you know your priority in terms of well how much money do I need to make to sustain the life that I want to sustain and being really clear about that because there's also like a trap you can get into with business where it's like it's never big enough but if you really are an artist and you want to like protect that side of yourself then actually knowing like, no, this is how much money I need to make can be so helpful because then once you've hit that for the month, if it's like I work, you know, these many hours for this client, like once you've got that, actually you don't need necessarily need to be working more. Um, and that everybody's situation is different. You can always, you can sort of endlessly work on your business, but if you have some kind of sort of steady job situation or client situation then you can kind of give yourself permission and be like okay no I've, I've I've got the money this month so I can go and spend some time on my art and in my opinion and my experience it's like when you do take the time to spend with your art you're just more energized you're happier you're you're like living more in alignment with what you really want yeah. and that helps that helps your energy for every all of it mm -hmm. you know yeah. Um, is there anything else you want to talk about right now or today? Um, I mean, yeah, I was kind of interested and we, we could cut this out if we need to, but, um, so I do something called universal health principles and I thought I could at least tune in and see if there are any links for your listeners. Um, so in universal health principles, um, 
if I'm working one-on-one with a person, I'm going to be using their wrist for biofeedback of basically saying, where in the body do we need to look to um, improve communication? And that can thing physical things can come up, emotional things can come up, also images, all sorts of stuff. Um, and you can also do it for a group. So you can sort of I can use my body as sort of a, a proxy of a, of biofeedback to tune into a group, um, an energetic group of like who who are the people that listen to the show or that will listen to the show, and then see um, what the links come up. And then we can tap overhead and heart. That's how, that's part of the, the process um, and see how you feel. Are you up for that? Yeah. Okay. Sure. Cool. So um, I'm just going to get quiet with myself and I invite you, if you're listening, to just, if you can, you know, safely take some breaths, be present with how your body is feeling. And so I'm getting that there are some links for us. So anyone who is listening to this podcast, this is where communication is ready to improve within all of our systems. So we're starting with a belief system about business. And the belief system is I can't make money doing what I want. So if you have any emotion that you can feel when you think that I can't make money doing what I want, there's going to be some emotion there most likely. We all we all have this. So we're going to tap that out. But it's just sort of recognizing that emotion and we're going to allow it to be processed when we do the tapping. But let's start there. It's linking to a meridian, so I'll find which one in our body. This is an energetic pathway in your body that comes from Chinese medicine. Okay, so it's our stomach meridian. So meridians flow are connected to organs. And they often intersect the organ that they're related to, though not always. Um, You can definitely look up your stomach meridian on Google if you're interested in that direct pathway. But what we need to see about it is something else. It's a permission Cool. Yeah. So the permission is I allow myself to break it down to get what I need. So meridians act like the organs that they're connected to. And one thing that your stomach does is it um, mulches, like smulches your food and 
breaks it down and the acids in there break it down, but also the, the muscle moving breaks it down um, in order for your small intestine to be able to absorb the nutrients that it needs to absorb. Um, and how I see this connecting to, you know, our careers is so I allow myself to break it down to get what I need. So it's like, it's kind of like getting a little bit matter of fact about it. <laughs> I'm sort of kind of taking the emotion out of it and being like, well, what do I need? You know, what do I really need out of my career, out of my art, out of my life? And when you attend to those like deep pillars of what I really need and you're like making those priorities of like often it's the money. This is how much money I need to make. This is how much art I need to be making to feel good. This is how much friend time I need to be able to feel good. This is, you know, et cetera. Um, I allow myself to break it down to get what I need. So just getting really clear. Okay, cool. So we'll keep it simple. It'll just be those two things and we'll tap. So what I'm going to do, I'm just going to lead you through those links, um, which, and I'm going to tap over my head lightly. So just over, you know, you can use your right hand, tap over the top of your head and breathe. And then you're going to tap over your heart with that same hand. And this is just interrupting the surface electrical fields of your heart and brain and basically saying, hey, brain, pay attention. There's some, commu- there's some stuff that wants to be processed, some communication that's ready to improve. So I'm going to alternate and I'm going to go back to my head and I just go back between head and heart as it feels good. So this is for all of us. We start off with the belief system, I can't make money doing what I want. So... Again, just let yourself feel what comes up around that for you. And take nice deep breaths. And you can just imagine that it's processing out of you. Like that emotion is being moved by your breath. Letting go of whatever you don't need anymore around I can't make money doing what I want because that's that's one perspective, right? We'd like to have a different perspective that I can make money doing what I want. Cool. And what that wants to talk to in your body is the stomach meridian. So I... I usually look up meridians when this comes up. I don't know them by heart, but you, like I said, you could Google stomach meridian to see where it is, but it's just an energy pathway in your body. And it comes with the permission, I allow myself to break it down to get what I need. And we're going to say this out loud five times as we tap overhead and heart. So I'll just you know, feel free to say it with me. If you're in a public place, you can say it internally. Maybe say it later if it speaks to you. So, and, I, and Alec, you can you can say it with me. So, I allow, allow myself, myself to break it, to break down, it down to get, to get what, what I, I need. need. I, I allow myself to break, break it down to get what I need. I allow myself to break it down to get what I need. I allow myself to break it down to get what I need. I allow myself to break it down to get what I need. Yeah. And you can just sort of wrap up that tapping over your heart. Your heart helps store this new information. Cool. I get that's good. So hopefully you feel a little more. I'd love to hear how you feel after that. Yeah, I feel good. Um, so that's called universe. That's one of the universal. It's called, it's a system called universal health principles, which yeah, is just, it takes like all the different perspectives you can look at the body through like Chinese medicine and the emotional life and, you know, the horm- hormones and the endocrine system. And it's a system that allows you to, connect a bunch of different things together because when 
basically what happens is stress causes communication breakdown to happen in the body because when you think of it it's like if you're stressed you're like ooh, like uh gotta get there now you know and that's kind of like uh get out the door what do i need this mm-hmm. this 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 and it's kind of becomes this very like staccato sort of rhythm when you're stressed out so you know a lot of us are in that state a lot, a lot of, of the time, time. But that's not our optimal state. It's not the healing state. You know, you can think of the healing state as like as like a really laid back, like nice conversation where nobody's in a rush and it's like your stomach meridian gets to talk to your shoulder and everybody's cool and they like understand each other um, when you're in that relaxed state. So one, it helps you get into that relaxed state. And then it through consciousness, because it's all consciousness, like mm-hmm. everything, you know, it's real, but it's real through our lens of how we see the world. So it improves the communication that's happening within your body um, by bringing things to consciousness that you haven't, that like have maybe been running the show subconsciously. Yeah. But once you bring them to consciousness, it's like, oh, that's something I can deal with and I can make better decisions about that. And they, once you do this process, it just becomes easier to make those decisions and it feels kind of magical. Um, Yeah. Yeah. Nice. I think that's really, really cool. Yeah. So I thought I've never done that before um, on a podcast. So I thought I would uh, try it. I'll be interested to when I listen back to this again, like during editing and then then when I listen, I usually listen to them again after they're like all the way out to here. Mm -hmm. Um, Because part of me when I'm recording the podcast is a part of me that's it's interesting, though. I do find kind of one thing I've enjoyed about doing the podcast in general is usually I'm I feel kind of more zen than I ever Mm -hmm. am yeah um so yeah that's cool yeah um but that time like I wasn't fully able to fully surrender because I was also my mind was partially on producer mode yeah and I was like oh I just breathed into the microphone and like yeah (laughs) but yeah yeah that was really cool um and I bet that'll be nice for for some of the people who are listening. Yeah, um, I hope you try it. I mean, I know it sounds super weirdo, but I think um, I I started receiving just group sessions in this way, not even one-on-one, but group sessions. And within six weeks, I found so much of a difference in my life that it was undeniable. And I was like, all right, well, this is the thing I've found that's helped me the most out of all of the things. So I'm going to learn how to do it and to help other people with it. Yeah. Yeah yoga has been helpful for me like that's mm-hmm. a little bit that's more of i mean it's mind and spiritual and physical but it's definitely also physical yeah and turning off your mind like physically forcing your mind not to do anything else mm-hmm. but then i find i have to force myself to go to yoga even though i know how beneficial it is yeah i did today good <laughs> I did that's today. awesome um, yeah. Yeah. I went yesterday. It's, uh, yeah, yoga is definitely a big part of things. I don't always go, but I always find myself coming back to it. Like I'll, yeah. you know, Me I'll too. do another kind of exercise for a few months and I'm like, okay, I need to do a month of yoga. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Um, do you have any final thoughts? No, I'm, this was super fun to just chat all things that are, um, in my brain on the daily, these are kind of the intersections, business, health, healing, and art is where I, where I live. So it's nice to talk about that. And I have one thought for you, just a observation. Mm-hmm. Um, just, I've always thought you were super talented, brilliant, um, ambitious. Um, I'm proud of you. I think you're sometimes, um, hard on yourself <laughs> and I think you're really doing good. And I think, you know, be proud of yourself. I know, you know, I, I'm talking like I, I take that advice for myself. Um, yeah, yeah. but, uh, just, I see you, I'm a big fan. Um, Thank keep you. doing the good work, <laughs> the honest pursuit. Um, and you know, yeah. Thank you so much. Thank you for coming in and talking. Um, awesome. you want to do a little, yeah, song? I thought, um, I have a, poem and then a song so I did this um as part of the show that I'm gonna do there's this cycle of poems I think it's about seven poems um that I wrote in my last apartment when I was living in Crown Heights or I still live in Crown Heights but when I first moved to Crown Heights and there was um this woman who was often out on the stoop and she was 
old, I don't know how old, 80, 90, you know, indeterminate age. Um, but she was fascinating to me. And I was also kind of unhappy at the time. Um, and so she would always like, I would come home from work and then I would go to the gym and I would just be going back and forth and she would always be there. And it was kind of like this, this person I had to face Mm -hmm. and say hello to, and that who could like, who kind of just kind of got to the core of me. So if I was like, had been upset or I was crying, it looks like she would see and she would know, like, and we would know that (laughs) we, we knew. Um, and she was always this sort of steady presence. So I wrote a series of poems about her. Um, and I thought I would do the first two because one's a poem and then one's a a song. Cool. And this show is going to be called keep both my eyes. Yeah. I got it right. right. Yeah. Cool. Judith Nash is my neighbor. She's lived in the building since 1982. Every day, sometimes three times a day, she tells me. She walks down and up the four flights of stairs. And every day, she walks all the way around the block. That's my neighbor, she says, and points to me when I introduce her to my boyfriend. She doesn't realize that he's her neighbor, too. But that's okay. Me and Judith have a special thing going on. When she told me her name, slowly, deliberately, making sure I got the first name and then adding the last, then naming them together, I thought it sounded so regal. And though I am woefully neglectful with names, I said to myself, Carrie, this is your neighbor in a building that feels more neighborly than you've ever experienced in New York. Take care of her. Remember her name. Judith Nash. Judith Nash. And my distracted mind almost forgot it when I saw her again sitting on the stoop, enjoying the breeze and peacefully watching the yells of the dice game across the street. But I didn't. Hi, Judith, I say. Hello, she says, and I walk into the building. And as the door closed, I heard her proudly say to her stoop companion, That's my neighbor. So then there's a song. Um... I, yep. How do I? I'm gonna pause in. this for a second and we'll cool. recalibrate. Oh well, yeah, how do you want? It? There we go. I just uh, didn't want you to start playing before yeah, I hit totally. record. Totally. Um, <laughs> um, yeah, and this is new for me, so I've still got my chords. That's the thing. It's like oh, I have to memorize all of this show, but that's why it's happening December one. <laughs> yeah. Keep me posted on that too. I will. I will. Judith is on the stoop again This time dressed in faded peach I ask her how she Sorry, well, I might do it again anyway It's fine um, I, Yeah, I haven't played this in front of anybody before <laughs> Judith on the stoop again this time dressed in faded peach I ask her how she is and she says she's doing good happy yeah I say in the slightly patronizing way you talk to old people really listening yes she says yes she says nobody can make you happy nobody can make you happy you've got to make yourself happy So it's just a, it's a just a little song that um, you know that was just a poem and then I thought oh you know there's something here and then there's you know more songs that are like more like full songs that are in the show but I liked the 
I love the Judith poems because I'm hoping that the visual can be as good for other people as it is for me. I know in a, a later poem, she was wearing this, I talk about her wearing this uh, big fur hat and a big fur coat or a winter co- big winter coat and, you know, her orthopedic white tennis shoes and she's got a lunch pail that's pink and it's got big peace signs all over it. Nice. And that was just the kind of, that was just the kind of lady she was. <laughs> well, thank you. I'm glad your voice is back. Yeah. I'm sorry for the circumstances surrounding that, um, but I'm glad you pushed through and healed, when, yeah. you know? Yeah, it feels really good. Um, and it was emotional when I sort of realized that just earlier this year, even though I'd been performing some, it was really just this year that I was like, oh my God, I have my own songs in my head again and I can sing them on the street and it's not scary. And it was huge. Yeah. Well, thank you very much for sharing. Thank you, Alec. So that was my conversation with Carrie Lowe. And aren't you glad that she got her voice back? She has a great voice, doesn't she? Um, Both literally and figuratively. uh, Really glad and look forward to seeing Keep Both My Eyes when that comes out. I'll keep you updated on that too. Check her out at klocreative.com. The link to that will be in the show notes for this episode, um, as are all the others on bushwickvarietyshow.com and wherever you listen to podcasts. If you like the podcast, uh, please subscribe, rate, review, and share. Um, Also, please uh, let me know what you like about what what I'm doing here um, and anything else, anything you want to see or any other advice or whatever collaboration you want to do. But thank you very much for listening. Have a great weekend. And, uh, yeah, I'll see you next Monday. All right. Take care. Peace.